Welcome to Reveal, the Revenue Intelligence Podcast powered by Gong. We're your hosts, Devin Reed. And I'm Sheena Badani. Revenue intelligence is a new way of operating based on customer reality instead of opinions, making data-driven decisions based on facts instead of opinions or guesswork. And it's made up of three success pillars, people intelligence, deal intelligence, and market intelligence. You know, the things all revenue teams need and care about. Every week, we interview senior revenue professionals and share their stories and insights on how they leverage revenue intelligence to drive success and win their market. You'll hear how modern go-to-market teams win as a team, close revenue with critical deal insight, and execute their strategic initiatives, plus all the challenges that come along with it. Now, Sheena, I know the answer to this question, but most listeners don't. So if you were not a marketing leader at Gong, you were never in B2B, you never got into marketing, what would be (laughs) your ideal job? Okay, I know what you're thinking about, but that was my answer from when I was like 13 years old. (laughs) Has it changed? (laughs) (laughs) It has changed. So I will give you two answers. Okay. So the answer that you were looking for from when I was 13 was a news anchor. That was my dream job. I really, I, I even did a school project where I interviewed a news anchor from our local station in Sacramento. Um, Sacramento. And I was like, exactly, Central Valley. And uh, that probably fizzled out in high school or something. Now my dream, and one day this will happen, is to be an entrepreneur. I would love to start my own company and start my own business. So that is like what I would be doing if I was not in marketing and hosting this podcast with you. So that's not going anywhere soon. So don't worry. (laughs) I'm glad you're not going anywhere soon, but I have no doubt you will. You will achieve that. Um, And you said it fizzled out in high school, but I mean, a few years later, here you are, somewhat of an anchor (laughs) in the new modern day, you know, news or radio programming. Uh, Reason I brought it up is we got to hang out with Dusty Bailey today, and uh, he's a sales leader over at Paychex, director of sales, over 100 direct reports. And uh, he he shared at the very end, he's like, you know, my next career move will probably be a motivational speaker. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the episode, me and you were like, obviously, what are you waiting for? That's exactly what you should be. Um, He was fantastic. And we brought him on the show. Initially, he came highly recommended from someone in uh, our network. And, you know, fantastic person in terms of talking about, you know, how to coach, how to elevate your team. And he comes from a genuine place of like caring about his team and each individual member. And uh, I was inspired and motivated by the end of this, this interview. So Dusty, if you're listening, go follow your dream, my man, you're meant for this. He invests so much time and energy in like different processes and programs and like the time that he will put into interact and engage with every single person on his team. Um, It's really inspirational and like there's so many ideas in this conversation of what sales managers and leaders can and should be doing with their teams especially in this virtual environment not to get too meta but he inspired me with new ways to inspire others so i took some (laughs) notes down and i'm looking forward to it so let's go hang out with dusty dusty welcome to reveal thanks for hanging out with us and thank you for going the extra yard and wearing a blazer and a pocket square today you are by far the best dressed person in the room right now hey listen i was so excited to do this and i've been looking forward to it all week and hey i gotta give away my secret like i did earlier don't let it fool you i'm in my short oh you can't even see i'm in my shorts and my tennis shoes right so the true classic work from home environment right <laughs> You're ready for a run right after this, so you're all you got set. It. You got it. 
Well, Dusty, your title is Director New Business Virtual Sales West at Paychex. Uh, I've never seen anyone with the title virtual in their title. So is that something new or has that kind of always been the case even before the pandemic? Yeah, it, it was a new transition through the pandemic. Paychex had, had been planning um, to start to build a more virtual presence based on just the, the demand from business owners, you know, speed to lead, you know, being more knowledgeable and, and having to, to do reach people virtually. Right. We still had a we still have a, a very dominant uh, in market force, face-to-face meeting structure as well. But with the pandemic, it just kind of sped up the plan right. as everybody did. Right. And so um, went from a field-based um, leader to overnight managing, you know, hundred people virtually right from East to West coast with the title of virtual uh, sales director, helping drive this team to focus on prospecting in the one to 19 employee space of getting out to business owners on the front end of the funnel. Maybe tell us a little bit about like your team. What does it look like? Uh, you know, some of the key responsibilities of beyond uh, the segment that you're going after, which you talked about. Yeah. So our team is comprised of, you know, the entire division is 300 plus sales reps clearly focused on, outbound prospecting where we're driving the strategy in markets where there might be a, a, a new law change or a regulatory mandate that has to happen for small business owners or uh, areas where during COVID state specifics uh, regulations were different. So we were able to call states that were opening while others were closing. Right. We also were able to directly go after those in need of PPP loans. So we were beat, we were built to be, the speed to the, the the need of the small business owner and the different industry verticals, right? With marketing, target marketing, uh, you know, being fed to us so that we had talk tracks, lead generation, and continued focus on the prospecting piece of the business, freeing up other areas of our division to be that relationship builder, driving uh, demand from channel, such as CPA, banks, clients, things of that. So we're the primary prospector um, in our area. What a unique time to be focused on the SMB market over the last year plus, right? Like these are some of the businesses that were uh, either hardest hit or were in so much uncertainty and you, you were the front lines with those folks. Yeah, and it, it was. We were also, you know, focused on trying to get up market, right? Nine plus employee counts as well. Um, but when you see about it, like even during the pandemic, new business starts were on the rise, right? More and more people, my wife, to be an example, you know, COVID happened, merger, she had to start, she didn't know what she was going to do as a highly paid executive, started her own company. So now she's a consultant doing what she did prior, but for herself. So that was a huge, you know, headwind for us to to be ahead of that. But yeah, I, I think what was super impactful though, Sheena, was the fact that we could get out on the front lines and talk about what we're doing for that small business community with the COVID resources, the PPP lending and those kind of things when they needed it the most mm-hmm. uh, coupled with all the new business start. It was a good time. But what we also did see is we saw a lot of opportunity in that 20 plus space because they started to shrink down into the 19 space and we were able to get ahead of them or get a hold of them and, and get in front of them before they were trying to make any other changes. So as they start to grow, then as a higher market, we have them as a client. Dusty, I knew I liked you from when we very first met. Now, 
No, bro- <laughs> no bromance. I just liked you. And I liked you even more when I stalked your LinkedIn profile and I saw that you did an ice bucket challenge uh, to drive sales a couple weeks ago. Now, that in and of itself could have won me over. But what really put me over the top was you were in a two-piece money suit. And for those who can't see it, uh, which because it's not up on the screen or anything, is Sheena, he was in a, imagine dollar signs, like $100 bills printed all over this green two-piece suit. And he just has ice water dumped on top of him. There he goes. It's oh my gosh. <laughs> tell, tell us He's showing it to us that. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so so it goes with a couple of things. I, when I first got the job, right, it was new to me. And I was, you know, I was on, the, I was a road warrior three days a week, every week traveling to my markets, right? And I'm a very impersonable guy, like high fives, fist pumps, like in the field, uh, leading from the front with my people, running competitions, you know, shooting baskets in the office, whatever, just having fun and being energetic and passionate with my team. And I told my wife, I said, man, how am I going to do this virtually? And it was a simple answer. When you look to your spouse for, for, for guidance, they always hit you with the, the, the most simple answer and the truth. And she's like, just continue to be yourself. Right. And then it really sparked with like, I used to do a Christmas card where I dress up. So I was like, all right, well, we're going to dress up. And it started as a joke and I became dollar dusty on national calls. And so I got a green suit too. And uh, I put dollar bills in my pocket and we just have fun with it. And so it's just been, you know, that's part of it, the culture, having it fun, making it normal, right. That this work from home environment, is normal and people are so worried like oh dusty's executive i gotta be the best no that's why i made the joke about wearing shorts and tennis shoes Mm -hmm. dogs barking before this call i was sweating because my wife was doing vacuuming and i'm and i was on some other calls and i couldn't tell her to stop and i'm like you can't be vacuuming when i'm on calls but my point in saying all that to you Devin, was the suit was fun and inner energy at first and it just come become a staple and so it was a joke with my family that they would take pictures of me wearing a suit and share it with all my friends. Like, look at this guy. This is how he dresses for work, right? And then we ran an ice bucket challenge to, to really create synergy around using the gong, using going after sales and driving a different award versus maybe a cash reward or, or something else because we do those too. But, and the team loves to get around, you know, putting the leader through pain, right? And that bucket was super cold. And if you watch the video on my LinkedIn, my daughter with her mischievous uh, laugh, I don't know what, it, what makes me more nervous, the fact that she's so excited to do it um, or the fact that my team loved every minute of it, right? Because that means they love to see me in pain. I would just say it was a fun thing to do. It's about the culture, about being human and allowing people to know that we're in this together with our family and that you can blend this personal work from home your personality with business and have fun with it. Right. So I appreciate the, the, the positive comments and feedback and um, yeah, it was a good time. We'll have to add that video link to the show notes, Devin, so that everyone can see the suit and see the giggle and see the, see it all. (laughs) Yeah. I I noticed that too. And there's something to be said for your, you know, kids and, and uh, direct reports who just love seeing you and we'll call a safe amount of pain. You know, you you, you were safe (laughs) and therefore it's funny, but yeah, I didn't notice uh, that she she was, she had a big grin on her face. She liked seeing uh, dad and some pain there. And they keep asking me, when's the next one? They want to do it again. Of course. Of course. Yeah. So, you, you know, you talk about being human, uh, being your true self. Um, I, I would guess that part of that is how you describe like leading from the front and being, being your true self and bringing all of that to your people and to your teams. So would, would love to understand a little bit more from your perspective, like 
how do you lead from the front? What does that mean to you? And then separately, how do you be accountable to your people? What are they looking to you for? Yeah, so a couple of things. I, I learned a long time ago, so, you know, when I, when I became a leader, right? I look back of all the leaders I ever had, and there was two, two types of leaders I've had. I had leaders that I, it was worth following that I would follow again tomorrow. They can call me up today, and I would go do it again. And that's only five out of the many that I had. And then the other group of leaders that I had, they were leaders I wouldn't follow again. Not that they were bad or I want to say anything negative about it, but they just weren't someone that really got me jazzed. But what I learned is I took one or two things away from things that they didn't do. And I was like, I got to change that when I become a leader so that I can do that for people because I know what it feels like as an employee not getting that. I then returned one or two, I then in return asked myself, what did I get from them? What's one or two things I got from them? A couple leaders let me take as much training as possible. A couple leaders allowed me to be resourceful and do what I needed to do to find the answers. A couple of leaders allowed me to make mistakes and be human. And so then I was like, okay, how do I translate that to be my true authentic self as a leader and incorporate all these things? Then along the way, what I've done is I do skip level conversations where I talk to people and not just asking how they're doing and what I could do for them. I turn it around and say, what more do I need to do different? Or what's one or two things that I should stop doing that might be getting in your way or slowing you down? And then you couple that all together as a leader and you start to think about, okay, this is how I'm going to lead from the front. This is what I felt like when I was an employee. This is what my people are telling me. This is what I'm hearing through the grapevine and seeing from other peers of mine that might not be doing something. How do I incorporate that to lead from the front? And then what I mean about being accountable to my people, right? At the end of the day, I'm overhead. I don't have a job unless my people deliver on the results and are happy at work and driving to some kind of goal. So when I say be accountable to my people, I'm accountable to their goals. So if they tell me I want to buy a house, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure they achieve that goal, right? Remind them, put things in front of them, coach them, and, and show them away. I promise everybody when I hire them, I'm always going to be honest, direct, and get them straight to the point versus sugarcoating stuff and hold them accountable. And so that's the other piece is I'm going to be honest with them and hold them accountable when they're not doing their job. I'm going to be available, right? Too many times leaders aren't available and that's when you lose good people because they need something in the moment, right? And so I make myself available. And so, you know, the last thing is when I go to bed at night, I lose sleep. If I can't, if I can't say before I go to bed that I did everything in my power to help this person succeed, I lose sleep. So when I go to bed at night, if I'm, okay, I didn't do help Devin with this. So first thing I do in the morning is let me give him all the resources I can. So I know I'm doing everything in my power to make them successful. Cause at the end of the day, we recruit them. We paint this picture about how great it is to come work for you. And then all of a sudden you're either there or not. I promised I would never be the phantom leader. No one ever wants to be on this high. Then all of a sudden the bottom drops out because everything they were told before they signed on the line, once they sign on the line, it's not there. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, it it totally does. Um, I mean, I love the aspirations and these goals that you have for yourself. And I'm sure you're human with everybody that, that sometimes is not always in play and something falls, falls apart a bit. You're not always on your a game. You did mention that you talked to the folks on your team and asked for their feedback. How can you be doing better? What can you be doing different? But it's often like really, really hard for ICs and reps to be open and give that feedback to their manager, to their manager's manager. 
Um, so how do you get them to really open up and be honest with you? Yeah. So I, I do a couple of things. Um, number one, I do a daily cadence email every single day. And what that email consists of is a one or two lines about where we stand, how we're tracking, what we look like. Then the next line is shout outs to whoever's getting it done, top performers. And then the next two things are as a development piece where I steal content from things that you guys put out or other people put out. And I write how this will help them become better, either mentally, emotionally, physically, whatever. And then I always do a, a nice motivational piece. And I tie it into either personal experience with my family, things that I've had to overcome. And I put things out there because it might only touch 20% of my team, but I do it every single day, create it from scratch. And then somebody's being touched. Then on top of that, you know, what I have made it very clear to my leaders are if you have an outlier or, or somebody is, is sailing away from the Harbor or away from the Island that we're going to tip me off and let me know. And then out of nowhere, I'll just jump into their WebEx teams, kind of like their social media direct messenger. They don't even know I'm coming. I just pop up. They answer the phone. They can be in a tank top t-shirt, catch them off guard. But we have a real raw conversation. Like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I said, that's not why I'm calling. Tell me what's going on. I'm hearing through the grapevine this, or I see by your activity levels down. Like, let's talk about you. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling? What's happening at home? Dogs barking or whatever. We have a, a like a personal fireside chat, I would call it, moment but they put their guard down and then they start telling me what's really going on. Then I can understand, okay, is there something I need to do different? And you can tell that you need to do something different based on actions, based on maybe body language, based on how they answer a question, right? So being self-aware when you're having this like one-to-one conversation, you know, there's something more to dig, right? Um, And that's kind of how I do it. And then last, I just, I make myself available when I, I send, so every, other month I send individual notes to my down to my sales reps and I'm saying, Hey, just checking in. Want to see how things are going. And they'll either respond one of three ways. I'm so fired up. I got this going on, this going on, this going on. And I'll go in a direction with my email or they'll respond very like off kilter or something that you can tell I was wrong. I'll instantly schedule a one-on-one or they won't respond at all. So then that means they're ghosting. Something's up. So I pick up the phone and call them directly and just check on them, right? Just to be in tune with your people. That's kind of how I do it. I, I respect that 100%. I have to imagine sometimes uh, the, the uh, impromptu call, right? When, when Dusty calls, uh, once that initial surprise or shock is over, I imagine when you say, hey, I noticed some things and I'm calling because I'm uh, not only use the word concerned. I doubt you use that word, but you know what I mean? I'm interested. I'm invested. Yeah. yeah. My gut tells me that sometimes they might not have even picked up that they're off. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you're cruising downward or like, you know, not spiraling it, but you're just decreasing and you're like, man, I'm kind of off. It's been now it's been three days in a row. Maybe it's been two weeks in a row to have you as their leader call and just say, Hey, I noticed and I care. I have to imagine that, uh, you know, creates a good culture across the team and a lot of trust with you as well. It it does. And and Devin, what it also does is it, it gets them to really self identify what really might be going on. Right. Cause a lot right, of times, right. especially in this virtual environment, we're by ourselves and we can't like one example, one gal was putting so much pressure. I'll use her as an example. If you ask me the question about uh, a time someone turned around, but she was putting so much pressure on herself because her husband is so successful in his industry and she's not, and she hasn't been winning and she's been here for six months and she was a, a top graduate in her class. She's always been here always peaked in everything she's done. And she come here and like Mike Tyson says, everyone has a plan to you. You're punched in the mouth. That's sales, man. You come into sales and like, Oh, and then you just like, 
And what it comes down to, she was just allowing the pressure of comparing herself to past achievements and her husband's successful career totally throw her off her game. So when you listen to her on Gong, you listen to her on a meeting, you could just tell she was already in her head like, oh, how am I going to win? How am I going to tell herself stories before she got there? And then we slowly unwound that. It took a couple of calls, reassurance, let her know that I'm here for her. Her manager did a really uh, a lot of good job too with her. And now she went out and got six sales, right? This last month she got six sales because we, we stopped thinking about all the negative things and comparing ourselves. Right. And we just started focusing on what works, making the dial, having a good opening, using your bubbly personality with the right type of prospects. Now she's off and running, right? And that's mm-hmm. the difference that it makes. But she didn't have anyone to talk to. And I just was that guy that she could talk to. We have uh, talked about that voice in your head with uh, uh, Mariah Tribble. Uh, she called it the itty bitty shitty committee that yep. can uh, <laughs> deter you from your, your yep. best work and your best thoughts. Um, just an open invite. You have my email, Dusty. She and I can give him yours too. I'd love that quarterly check-in. And if I don't respond, you call me and just like make sure I'm in the right headspace because I'm, I'm subscribed to the school of, of dollars. Seriously. Dusty. I love it. You got it. So you manage like a pretty large team and I'm sure your hiring pace is, is pretty high. You have new folks coming in all the time. Um, when you have a new rep that joins your team, what are you focused on first from a developmental perspective? Yeah. So, so what I learned a long time ago in, in just doing the job myself and then having others um, that I had to coach the number one thing that I got to get people comfortable with is the activity levels you need to be successful, right? Because you, if you're not talking to people, you're not having the conversation. I can't help you close sales. I can't coach you on what to say different. I can't help you overcome objections. I can't do that. So the number one thing is we got to hone in people on how to get really good at the activity. If you drive the activity, the results will come. It's just a pure math game. Then as you start to get better at activity, we can ratchet up your sales talk tracks, your objection handling, all of that other thing. The other thing is I, too many times new reps come in and it's fire hose and they're so worried about knowing everything. So their feet get stuck in cement blocks and they can't go anywhere. Cause they're like, I can't do it until I know everything. And, and, and it's like throwing a toddler in the deep end time to swim. Here we go. I don't let them sit on the sideline all summer and miss out the chance to swim. I throw them in. We're going to teach you how to swim in the first day of summer so that you can swim. And I have them focus on what they do know. Sheena, not what they don't know, because we hired them for all the things they were good at or, or, or potential they've had or successes. Use that to then become, you know, culturized in paychecks as way versus trying to force your force paychecks on yourself. Right. And that's the thing. And there's so many products. People are so scared to say, I don't know. That's the number one thing you have to say to a business owner. I don't know, but I will find out for you and then circle back and get them the answer. And then you retain that. And then the last thing I would say from it is just the velocity and speed that we need these people to have agility and be ready to move on a, uh, on any given time, especially with COVID, as you guys know, I mean, things are just like rapidly changing. And so making sure these guys know that it's okay. The change curve that we always talk about, right. It's here. And then it just drops the bot. But how do we get these guys through the change curve quickly? And, and, and patience is a virtue, my friend. I mean, I'm a millennial and I sometimes run out of it, but we got Uber eats and, and internet and cell phone and, and everything you want on, you need to answer. It's there. Sales is not that way. It's going to take six, nine, sometimes 12 months. So sometimes I have to pull out old commission statements from past reps where you see them go like this. And then by their ninth month, they take off, right. And they don't stop. 
but patience. People want to win tomorrow, want to be CEO tomorrow, buy their million-dollar home tomorrow. It doesn't work that way. You still have to be patient. And then I find a lot of times with new reps, you have to teach them that because patience is hard these days. And sales is not instant gratification. Never has been, never will be, right? Mm -hmm. That's just the industry that's never going to catch up to that. So true. Um, You know, you talked about this like learning curve and like how it can dip. How do you ensure now with your more tenured reps, so these folks, they've been there six six months, one year, two years, how do you keep them learning and developing? and, And how is that different than what you were doing with your newer reps? Yeah, so I'm a big fan of situational leadership for those that haven't read that and meeting them where they're at, right? So D1 stage, you know, these guys need high direction, right? That's the newer rep. But then you get a seasoned rep, right? They're kind of on cruise control. They're feeling good. It's how do you teach them new tricks or how do you help leverage some areas of their business they're missing out, right? So like they're so in their lane, they're doing so well, they feel like they know it all. But those guys are always about how do I get more money or maybe they want to get promoted or maybe there's, you know, a a new shiny toy they want to buy. How do you navigate them to try new things that will get them their end result, right? That's where it's at. The other thing is they're driven. Some of them top performers just love to help others. So then you give them things off of your plate. Hey, I want you to train, train, train this class. Hey, I want to do a podcast with you that goes out to the entire company. You know, you start elevating them with other exposure where then they start stretching themselves to learn newer things because they're bought in for their own career, right? So it's finding that sweet spot, Sheena, of what's going to help elevate them and make them feel good about the change or feel good about doing more, right? But in any business, right? Any business owner will tell you this, any sales team, it's a, every year got to have incremental growth. And top performers are no different. A lot of times they want to keep squeezing the same thing, but you got to teach them how to broaden and find that, that incremental growth from somewhere else. I agree completely. And I think there's a misnomer that uh, all top performers are coin operated. And sometimes people just make a whole lot of money and then they don't want more money. I mean, they want yep. to keep it going. Don't get me wrong. But you know what yeah. I mean? There's, uh, you know, only so many commas you can chase. Um I'd like to pivot a little bit, Dusty, and hear a little bit about the data, right? So, you know, you know, Gong and Reveal, we, we're all about data and, you know, just adding that to business decisions and all that good stuff. What metrics do you use to track your reps' growth? Yeah, so we, we're using a couple of different things. So, so number one, like I said, it, it, we know that we got to get to 60 dials based on the, the, the type of leads we're calling and people not knowing who we are or new business starts. And then we have to present seven times, right, with a certain closing ratio to get the number we need for our sales, right? So we really drive down to that level of this many dials, this many appointments, gives you this many sales, right, based on your closing ratio. Then we're using the data of, okay, you know, when we call this type of lead, who's successful? Great. Let's feed those reps this type of lead all the time, right, so that they can be really good there, Right. Then we're looking at the data, you know, specifically Gong, where we are, can't stay on the phone longer than a minute. Perfect. Let's just hone in on your opening statement. What are you saying that's turning people off not to want to talk longer, right? So then we start talking there. Then using data of, okay, you had a 20-minute conversation, but you didn't close. Why not? Honing into where we went wrong there. And then the last piece would just be, the average revenue size per client, right? When you see top performers getting great revenue, great closing wins, but someone else has the same type of units or number sales, 
but the revenue is way down, you know they're discounting or you know they're leaving something out of the buying process, such as introducing a, a partner and what does that look like, right? And then I use it for my managers. How effective are you coaching? How effective are you leading? Because you see incremental growth and you'll see changes. If the same rep is making X amount of dials, X amount of EUPs, but doesn't have the sales three months in, they're, they're got all the gong recordings. They do, they're just checking the box. And that means you're not field riding with them. You're not dissecting what's really going on with their, their situation to make them better. Because what you will see, if you're truly coaching and guiding them, you'll see incremental growth every single week, every single month from doing these metrics and using the tools. Dusty uses data to break down his sales team's target metrics into closed one deals. For his team, he knows exactly how many dials a day will lead to the number of demos necessary to hit revenue targets, based off of Paychex's closing ratio. While his specific metrics may be different from your team, it's crucial to have the data to know how to move accounts from the top to the bottom of the sales funnel. This reminds me of a recent study from McKinsey & Company where they analyzed 2,500 B2B companies and found out why some were outperforming the rest. According to the study, 72% of the fastest growing B2B companies said leveraging data is the most important component of their sales planning. This tells me that top companies know how their sales engine works through data and are able to make informed decisions without guesses or assumptions. They find out what is actually working and execute it at scales to drive more revenue. I think about how Dusty works with reps to find answers to questions like, why couldn't you book next steps after 20 minutes? He uses data to answer these questions and drive the solution at scale. That's really interesting. It sounds like the way that you monitor it is to make sure reps and maybe even some of the coaches on your team aren't just going through the motions right? And checking the box because you know, hey, this is the playbook and I know, but actually getting kind of qualitative with it and understanding, well, hey, just because you're doing, you know, just because you're checking the box doesn't mean the result is right around the corner. So let's figure out why that is. Yeah. Also, I use the data for myself, right? So it goes back to kind of like just, you know, leave from the front, you know, whatever the goal is to to listen or coach, I double it because I want to show my people I can do it too, right? No matter what I got going on, I'm going to do it too. But then as I listen, it gives me content to do on my gong podcast three times a week and sales podcasts and training podcasts on what to train these guys on, what conversations to have. And then I role play Devin so that they see that I'm going through it too, right? Like I'm going to do it too. Like you got this objection. Here's what I would say or how I would do it. Right. Or we have this recent change in an industry standard. I then can role play and speak to and train and then tie in the different things I'm seeing with the matrix that we're recording, right? So it gives me real-time data too to help lead the team where we need to go. I would also say to you, the last thing that I use it for is I like to think six months, nine months, 12 months down the road. So I get to see, okay, the progression of where our pipeline might be, what things we got to fix, what industries we really need to focus on, like seasonal, right? So I was able to know seasonal starting to come to, to, to un, unthaw two months ago, by just some of the dials people were making. So this, let's heavily go into seasonal. So when May and June hit, we already are on top of our game with the word track, all of that ahead of other people who might just now be getting to it. Right. So you start to see, you know, future things that you need to do to get better. Right. You hold up. You have to clarify something that you mentioned in that, which was a gong podcast that you host. What is that? I'm glad you dove into it. Cause I'm like, <laughs> if I skip by this, I'm an awful, awful host. <laughs> So when we, when we first generated this partnership with you guys to create a lot of buzz and get people committed to it, we were doing a 
daily 15, 20 minute gong podcast. So anytime I was tagged in a call or leaders were tagged in some calls, either calls that needed more support or things that we were hearing consistently across the division, we would just do an interview and we'd role play and we'd talk about it and we share it with everybody. So everybody could watch myself and some of my senior leaders talk through it, right? And so we've gotten so entrenched with Gong now, we do it three days a week. We bring in reps on to talk about why they use Gong and how how they love it. We bring in partners, we bring in training, we do a different thing, but it's a way for me to just another medium to talk to my people and live the brand and the experience I'm all about is showing them that I'm going to do it too, right? And then it helps us stay up to date too. Like, you know, sometimes we're having the same problem over and over. And then we can say, Oh, well, this is a training issue. We didn't train appropriately on this. So then I can get on this gong podcast and, you know, wind it back and then be able to share it. But like I said earlier too, whether it's my daily cadence email, the skip level or the gong podcast, I do all these different mediums because I'm only touching 20% of the people each time it goes out, but I'm touching a different 20% of the people. Right. So that way I'm at least getting to everybody. And the hardest part, you, I know you talked about this earlier is, the itty bitty, you know, committee thing that you said for the longest time, I started this daily cadence email five years ago and I haven't stopped whatever team I lead. I do it all, all the time, every single day, even when I'm on vacation, um, except when my team tells me I need to take a vacation and they, they volunteer to do it for me. Um, and for the longest time, when I first did it first 12, 18 months, I'm like, man, does anybody read this? Am I wasting my time? Like, Cause it was crickets. No one said anything. Right. And then slowly people started reaching out or when they would leave the company, we do an exit interview and they would tell me all about an email I sent that touched them. And I'm like, dang, it really works. Right. And so I'm like, okay. And then when I got changed over to this job and I, I sent a, a goodbye email to my previous team, man, it just the floodgates of emails and calls and text messages that I got about just the skip levels, the emails, all the different stuff I did. So what I'm saying to you is, as a leader, you have to have confidence in what you're doing and believe it's working because it is. You're not always going to see it on the surface, right. right? And it's no different as a rep, Sheena and Devin. Like it takes 90 days, nine months, whatever for them to get success. A leader has that same thing. You just have to repetition, consistently committed to the process and the results will come. Mm-hmm. There are three things that I love about your approach, not just a podcast, but all these different styles that you have inter- integrated into your processes One is that you're like customizing and offering different options depending on how people learn, right? Whether it's, whether it's audio or written or get, you know, live chat, like live on the phone. Uh, Like that's super interesting, uh, especially for a large team that you have. The second one is like scaling. So you're able to reach like so many people through like recording something once or like writing this thing once. And then third is like, you mean you're, you lead virtual sales, but you've like cracked kind of like the virtual development nut of like, how do you, how do you continuously develop and stay in touch with your folks in this virtual environment? So there's so many amazing nuggets in everything that you've talked about today. I love that because the hardest part for me is I got to keep developing myself too. Right. So one of the things that this has done for me and deep down, I'm thinking, Hey, I should be a motivational speaker one day. I want to do that. Right. And how do I do that? But I love paychecks so much that it's, it's hard to go out and try to start this new thing. And, and someone's like, Hey, you just got to start somewhere. And so this year news resolution was once a week, I'm going to write some kind of content on LinkedIn and I haven't skipped a beat. And now I do it. So I'm publishing some of what I'm doing on LinkedIn to broaden to maybe other audiences that don't get me. 
but also to develop myself. Cause that's the number one thing as leaders, we also have to do outside of love on our people and develop our people is you can't go stale in your leadership, especially with all the ever changing environment that we're in with the virtual stuff. You've got to stay up to speed because how you led three years ago is about to expire. Right. And how you're leading today is going to expire even quicker, you know, 24 months from now. So how are you staying up to date, developing yourself to continue to get better as a leader? And that's what it's helping me too. Sheena is it's driving me all these different media. I had to learn. Don't get it wrong. Like I've made some mistakes stumbling along the way, trying to learn all these things, but it's made me that much better of a leader to prepare me for whatever my future is. All those emails that you were writing or that you've written, you need to go collect all those, put them together. And you've got a book, my friend, like you have your first book and then that'll launch you into your motivational uh, speaking career. Like, I mean, if you need an agent, let me know. I don't have a lot of time, but for you, I'll carve out time for Dollar Dusty. I love it. I love it. Um, final question. I didn't put on the prep doc because I wanted you to be unprepared. We asked the same question to all of our guests before we wrap up, which is how would you describe sales in one word? Oh man, there's so many. Um, <laughs> I really teed it up for you too. Like it was going to be a much hard, hard, hardball question. You did, man. My mind was going in, 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 in somewhere else. Um, it's a great interview and ending with gotcha journalism. Thanks, Devin. You got it. So, so can I cheat and say two words? Sure. It's your world. Life changing. I like that. And we'll put a hype there and call it one word. You want to, now, now that I've asked you for one word, you want to elaborate? Yeah, listen, life changing for many reasons, right? Because I look at too many people think that you have to keep your personal life and your professional life separate. But I don't believe that. If you follow me on my LinkedIn, you'll see I watch my kids as toddlers see how they develop and do things. And I compare that to sales reps and what we go through, right? And how they change. I watch my older kids excel in sports or academia. And I, I tie that into what I do every day as a leader in sales coaching. But also personally, it's changed my life, right? I was a banker for um, 20 something years before I came over to paychecks. Right. And I remember coming over people like, you're a banker, you're not going to succeed. And bankers are lazy and da, 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 da. you know, all these naysayers of why I couldn't win in sales, but I sold in, in banking too. Right. I was a different kind of uh, a banker there, but it, it's changed. I mean, it's helped my wife and I do so many things that we didn't do before. It's changed the, the life for my kids, but more importantly, it's changed many of people's lives that I've hired that instilled their trust in me to lead them. And that's why I do the job, Devin and Sheena, is that when I can watch people buy their first car, buy their first house, get married, have kids, go to kids, go to college, retire, go on great trips. You know, I look back and I'm like, it's life changing, right? You're changing people's lives, not only for your people, but also for business owners, man. Like, how many times can you say that because I sold this profit or this product that I kept this business in, in business, I helped them retire dignity. I was able to protect them from HR concerns. They were able to grow by another location. Like it's life changing, man. Any way you look at it, right. It is life changing experience and the hard knocks of sales. So I would be remiss if I didn't say it's life changing there too, because it teaches you patience, adversity, how to get up when you're knocked down, how to overcome anything, and more importantly, how to tailor your conversation no matter what is happening, right? Because at the end of the day, everybody you talk to is a different animal and different thinker, and so you're going to have to get better every day when you make the phone call. Dusty, you already are a motivational speaker. This is not something that's far in your right. future. It is like right now. <laughs> 
<laughs> Fantastic. Well, Dusty, thank you again for hanging out with us. I'm glad we got to connect, and I know our listeners enjoyed this as well. That's great. It's a pleasure. I appreciate you guys very much. Have a great weekend. Every week we bring you a micro action, something to think about or an action you can put into play today. Like Dusty said, he leads from the front, as many sales leaders do. This can take the form of checking in on your reps, learning their personal goals, and figuring out where they have room to grow, even if they're quota crushers. In your next one-on-ones, try Dusty's favorite question for his reps. Instead of asking how they're doing, turn it around and ask, what's something that I could be doing differently? Getting the information about how to improve as a sales leader from your reps will help the entire sales engine run smoother and keep your sales culture strong. Did you like today's episode? Subscribe now so next week's episode will be waiting for you on Monday. And if you really like the podcast, please leave a review. Five-star reviews go a long way to help get the word out there. And if you're not ready to give a five, check out another episode and see if we've won you over by then. And if you have any feedback or you want us to interview one of your favorite revenue leaders, just email us at reveal at gong.io.